What is up, my dudes? It is Alec Lindstrom, former Boston College offensive lineman. You're listening to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. Go Eagles and go ACC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. Mike McDaniel not here tonight. He is on his way to Arizona for a bachelor party. So we ride on. Producer Scott is here. Producer Scott, how are you? Hey, man. How you doing? I am. I am doing fantastic over here. Are you ready for week two? We got a. Uh, we got a hell of a lineup here. Ready for week two. We got to finish off week one first, but ready for week two. Do it. Ready for week two. Um, we are going to get into week two. As you mentioned, we do have to finish out recapping week one. We got one more game to talk about, and who boy, do we got to talk about it. Um, before we do that, just a reminder, if you are not following us right now on YouTube, please, please go follow on YouTube. We would really appreciate that. Uh, we are aiming for 250 su subscribers on YouTube this season. That That is our target. You guys have been super helpful in the past uh, getting us there. I think you guys got us to 100 last year. We've gotten all the way up to 182. We're getting a ton of new subscribers, so we really appreciate the folks doing that. Go to youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Hit the subscribe button. If you're watching here uh, on, on YouTube right now, please hit that like button. Uh, hit the bell icon to be notified when there's going to be more videos coming up. We really appreciate that. As a reminder, you need to know when we got episodes coming up because we are doing Saturday Night Fever for a majority of this year, and that is not, that will continue this week. Uh, a bunch, we had a handful of folks join on for Sunday Night Fever this week to recap week one. We had a lot of fun with that. We had a lot of engagement. So thank you. To, thank you. Thank you to those who, who joined us for that uh, and engaged and kind of helped to guide that discussion. We really appreciate that. And we're looking forward to doing it again this week and for a majority of the season as well. So um, go hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon so that you'll be notified when we're going to go live Saturday nights after the games are over. So we can all kind of celebrate the day that was and, and talk about what happened. Yep. Subscribe. Follow us on all your podcast platforms. Interact with us on Spotify. All right, let's do it. Scott, we already recapped all of week one with the exception of the game that we saw last night. <laughs> and, and it was uh, a doozy. A doozy is right. And it, I, it caught me a little bit off guard. I was not expecting this. Duke 28, Clemson 7. And that I'm not, you know, I'm not dyslexic. I'm not mis misreading that. It's not a typo. Duke wins this game by three touchdowns. Um, I, I was stunned personally. Uh, I, I, let, let, let's. I'll get to my takes here in just a second. If we, do you want to start with what Mike sent us in about his thoughts on the game and kind of what this means for Clemson? Sure, I'll read off Mike's hot take. So for all the listeners, uh, Mike's not here right now, so we asked him to give his two cents on what happened last night. Uh, this is our. These are his words verbatim in a group chat to me and Joey from earlier today. All right, Mike's hot take response. Quote, I think Clemson is going eight and four because Debra would rather have his team to be made in God's name, image, and likeness that utilize real, rather than utilize real life NIL and the transfer portal. He's the anti-Saban. When Saban saw the state of offense changing, did he keep running the ball in pro-style formations? No. He adapted and went to the spread and became more pass-happy. He said he hated it but needed to adapt, and that's the way it is. Debra has been too stubborn to adapt took him a year too long on offense to shake up the staff, and now he's paying for his roster being a step behind with his refusal to use the transfer portal, end quote. Spicy, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Clemson, you heard it here first. 
Mike McDaniel declares that Clemson is going to go eight and four this year. Um, I, I haven't really looked at the rest of their schedule yet again. I know that they're playing in Tallahassee or they're hosting Florida state in death Valley here in a few weeks. I, I'll just tell you right now, Scott, if, if Clemson looks anything if that game in a few weeks, like they looked last night at Wallace Wade stadium. Yeah. But Florida state's going to boat race them. Like they, they stand no chance in that game. Um, Maybe we find out that last night was a fluke. Maybe we find out that Clemson is actually a lot better than they looked, or maybe, maybe Duke is actually like legit, really good. That, that's, that's a possibility as well. But based on what I saw last night and what I expected of these teams coming in, I, there is no way that this Clemson team would hold up against Florida state. There's, I, I don't see them beating Notre Dame later in the year. If something doesn't change, uh, I, I definitely don't see him running the rest of the table in the ACC. I think at least one or two other teams could pick him off. Like they are a, uh, that was a very flawed team that I saw last night. Um, a few thoughts and, and, and a lot of these kind of revolve around the offense. I mean, the first one, and, and I have a, I'll say it this way, Scott, and tell me if this makes sense. I was kind of stuck somewhere between like completely speechless and no shortage of bad things to say about Clemson. <laughs> I mean, just... the, yeah, that makes sense to me. It was just dumbfounding. Every time they tried to do something, they just shot themselves in the foot. It, yeah, it was bizarre. Um, I, I think it was pretty clear, you know, and I, I asked the question this off season, we saw the, the hire of Garrett Riley and I, I asked the question is Garrett Riley kind of the silver bullet that fixes all of Clemson's offensive issues. Because what we had talked about last year was Yes, like play calling and scheme is a part of it, but they've got quarterback issues. They've got offensive line issues. They've got wide receiver issues. And just to be very clear with what I saw last night, Duke did not seem like they were respecting Clemson's receivers like almost at all. Duke was not afraid of what those Clemson receivers were going to do. They were manning Agreed. up, going a lot of, you know, single-ish coverage. Like Duke was locking them down without a whole lot of issue. Um, they weren't scared. They weren't, they weren't scared at all. So Garrett Riley clearly has not fixed the wide receiver issues. He hasn't fixed the offensive line issues. And and by the way, the thing that Garrett Riley was supposed to fix, the scheme and the play calling, what that what what who what did he do to change up the scheme exactly? Because that looked a whole hell of a lot like the exact same Clemson offense that we've been seeing for several years now. I completely agree. You sent a tweet into the message for the podcast last night. I forget who it was from, but basically it was I'll a quote that I'll, I'll tell you how I saw it was our buddy Cam retweeted it. Shout hey, out Cam. to Cam. Shout out Cam. Yeah. Anyway, so the tweet came into the inbox and it said something along along the lines of um basically he's not coming here as in he is and Garrett Riley isn't coming here to run his offense he's going to run the clemson offense he and he's just involved with the support staff and everyone has input or something like that and the end of the quote was or the end of the tweet was a bunch of red flag emojis which i completely agree with um it didn't look like the tcu offense Mm -mm. didn't look like the oklahoma offense nope i don't know what that was no I didn't think that even looked like, you know, I, I think he was the one that ran the offense for a bit at East Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe that was Lincoln. I, I don't remember. But yeah, I mean, and I could kind of make maybe make some sense of it of like, oh, well, TCU, that was also under Sonny Dykes. And so, and Sonny Dykes is a pretty well regarded offensive coach. Like maybe he was just running his scheme, what is actually the Garrett Riley scheme, but like 
good grief, man. You just won the Broyles award coordinating an offense. And, and now you show up and it's like, you didn't add anything new to the picture. It seems like, and I, and, and as we're saying, I don't know if that's, you know, a, a fault of Garrett Riley's or is that a fault of Dabo Swinney? Did Garrett Riley show up and hand Dabo his playbook or did he show up and Dabo handed him his playbook? Like, I don't know. And, and it's very, very concerning. I had not heard that quote before. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, it was a quote from Dabo on ESPN talking about that. I don't, I haven't heard that personally. Uh, I'm not saying it's not true, but I, I can't say it is for sure true, but man, if it is yikes, like that is a, a bad look, bad look for, for Dabo Swinney. I thought. Completely bad look. Um, they didn't do anything well last night, really. I mean, I guess they moved the ball, but like when it came time to to finish, it was just bad, man. They yeah, two botched field goals, fumbling inside the five yard line, ten yard line, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It just didn't look like even if Clemson wasn't playing well in the past, they would always seem to do the small things right. And mm-hmm. Duke was doing the small things right for the most mm-hmm. part last night. They, um, it was pointed out that they had a pretty bizarre achievement. Clemson did that they got shut out in the second half of this game, and they didn't punt once. Their second half drive chart: missed field goal, fumble, fumble, turnover on downs, interception, turnover on downs. So for those keeping track at home, they turned it over three times before you consider the turnovers on downs, and they missed a field goal. That's not good. That's not the sign of a team that's particularly like well coached or, uh, you know, very poised in, in a situation like that. This was wild. And, and the other thing I, I would probably note here is again going back to issues on offense. And I, and I, I I'll get off of Clemson's offense here in just a second. But Cade Klubnick, he did not look good. He did not look comfortable. And I'm thinking back to like you know, wasn't this supposed to be like a real special difference maker? Like. Weren't we all excited to be going to uh, the old club level there at some point? There's a sound there. It's the, yeah, it's fine. Um, but, uh, like, this is not – this isn't anything special. This is barely any better than what you saw from DJU, you know? I, I mean – DJU lit it, it up this weekend. Just mm-hmm. saying. Looked pretty good for Oregon State, didn't he? Yep. You know, I, I don't know. So – a lot of issues on offense. We'll see. Maybe this is just week one weirdness and maybe all, everything is fixed by, you know, the next couple of weeks. Who knows? We'll find out. Um, I would point out too, by the way, and, and I don't know what your thought on this was, Scott. I didn't think that this defense was to Clemson standard either. They had issues no. with blown assignments, bad angles. You know, the tackling wasn't always the best. Uh, I was, I was underwhelmed by Clemson's defense. And this is where I, I go back to, is this, is is Clemson's defensive success? Is it all just you know we've we've just got so much talent, or was some of it Brent Venables that now he's in year two gone, and the magic just seems to be filtering out of that Clemson defense that we had seen for like a decade when Venables was there. I think that's an awesome point on Venables. Uh, I was surprised at the ability of Duke to run the ball. Um, didn't expect that against. I know you and Mike had talked about in the preview that you were expecting the Clemson defensive line to eventually wear down the Duke uh, offensive line and team in general. Uh, that didn't happen. Mm-mm. If anything, it was the other way around. Like, yeah, as the game went on, I'm not, it looked to me that the defense had a little bit of quit in them at the end of that game. A little, a little bit, a little bit. And usually yep. you don't see that from a Clemson coach team or Dabo Sweeney coach team. So, yep. 
Yeah, some of the uh, some of the ESPN box scores are a little bit wonky right now, so I don't have the best stats in front of me. But I mean, I I, I would be remiss if I did not point out, take the opportunity to point out that Riley Leonard played his ass off for Duke in this game. Um, he was excellent. He, he only completed you know a, a hair over fifty percent of his passes for one hundred seventy five yards, but avoided turning the ball over. Um, he led the team in rushing with almost a hundred yards and a touchdown. He had a ridiculous. I don't know that Johnny Manziel is quite the right uh, comp there, but he had a, a play where it looked like he was going to be wrapped up maybe for a sack and escaped, took off down the sideline, scored a 44-yard touchdown. Um, a, a pretty amazing play by him. I There were a handful of plays I thought that Duke made, especially in the second half. It's, it's worth noting, by the way, that it's not like Duke played some perfect game to, to get there. Like, they had their own mistakes. They turned the ball over a couple times. Um, the only – touchdown that Clemson scored the only time that Clemson scored in this game was they got the ball they basically just were gifted field position by Jalen Calhoun dropping a punt right uh, and, and they got the ball you know right outside the red zone basically and that was how mm -hmm. Clemson punched it in but you know other than that but I, I did think that there were a handful of times I mean Duke clearly wanted to lean on Jalen Calhoun in those critical situations um, I I was just really really impressed with with Duke rising to the moment and and some of the plays that Riley Leonard made uh, you know hats off to duke what a, what a play and they're they're ranked this week by the way they're ranked above they should, Clemson. Be. They should be they should yeah. be i mean they, they went great. nine and four last year and yeah yeah i mean last year's team was a couple of bounces away from a 10-win program mm -hmm. um riley leonard like you just talked about you called him johnny manzel run i think last night i called it similar to a beast quake run from marshawn lynch that's what it felt <laughs> like to me um and the uh, the Wallace Wade wackos were going off for the Duke Blue Devils. So, and I just wanted to point it out there. I said the term Wallace Wade wackos before the broadcast did. We can all attest in this uh, in this year podcast. So we, we've got receipts. We've got timestamps. Um, I believe Wallace Wade wackos came up with about a minute left in the game on the broadcast. I think Scott, you were on that at about halftime. So correct. You were out in front of that one. Credit to you. Yep. <laughs> so please, please credit producer Scott if you ever hear. Uh, Hear the term Wallace Wade wackos thrown around. Please do. Invented here. Yep. Scott, anything else? Are we ready to move on to week two? Let's move on. Um, where are we starting? Duke 28, Clemson 7. Shout out to Duke. Huge performance. Clemson, get it together. Come on. Uh, let's move on to week two. I, first thing before we go into this, I, that I, looking at this, and I had to like do a double take to see if this is right. Scott, we have 14 games on the schedule. Everyone, every team in the ACC is playing. Makes sense. Week two, you know, nobody's got a bye week yet. Scott, every one of the 14 teams in the ACC that are playing are playing at home. Unless I'm missing something, misreading something, I believe every single team is at home. I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's more, mostly just kind of a weird coincidence the way that that works out. But have you? can you ever remember seeing anything quite like that? Because I can't. I'm sort of speechless because it's such an oddity that does it really matter? Probably not, but it's unique. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those, it's like, it's almost like a baseball stat of, you know, things that have like never happened before, but they don't really actually like mean anything. They're not actually that important, but just when you can kind of go back on the record and that kind of thing, but I don't know, just something that kind of stuck out to me is like kind of crazy, but the way that it'll work out, but we do have a weeknight game, and then we have 13 games on Saturday. Let's start on the weeknight game. This will be really quick. 7.30 p.m. on the ACC Network, Thursday night on the 7th. 
uh, as the Murray State Racers, I think, are on the road at the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, Louisville, of course, coming off the win over Georgia Tech. They go back home now. Blackout conditions in effect, by the way. And, and I'm talking about what you wear. Um, you know, okay. I don't. Whatever you do was, with your Thursday night, up to you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask. I was like, I don't know what that is, but okay. Yeah. Wear wear black to the game. Um, you know, however else you interpret that. You know, the blackout game. You know, your call, not mine. Um, we don't have a line on this. You know, spreads for FCS games don't come out. I, I do not anticipate this being a big problem. I think there's always maybe a little bit of letdown potential, but you know, a, a Thursday night game, uh, first game in front of your home crowd, again, blackout conditions. I think the crowd, especially with, with the Jeff Brom era starting and everything, everyone's gonna be fired up for that. I Coming really a semi decently big win for them. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good win to start the year, you know, and the way that they were able to come back in the second half and, and win that game. So, um, I, I don't anticipate any sort of issues arising for Louisville in this game. Um, I, I think they should win it fairly easily. I, I, I'm guessing the spread will be uh, probably at least in the upper 20s, if not in the 30s. I, I would probably just stay away f- from that if it's me. I don't. Is this a local game for Murray State? I have no idea where Murray State is located. Yeah, so they're in they're in Murray, Kentucky. Uh, okay. It's maybe like a, I would guess, two to three hour drive. Not Not too terribly far. Are they a half decent FCS program? Uh, I really should have done my FCS research before this week because there are it doesn't a matter of those games. Louisville yeah. by four scores. Yeah, Louisville wins easily. I think is the uh, the fair assessment here. Correct. Um, yeah, to my knowledge, Murray State not not like one of the particularly dangerous FCS teams. Although we will get there <laughs> within this show, Scott. There Save are that thought. A, Save that thought. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to that one. Um. Anything else, Louisville, Murray State? You ready to move to Saturday? Let's move on. All right, let's do it. This is a this is a week where they have an ACC network f- like four pack here, uh, so that the, some of the timings get kind of weird. Um, it's it's kind of an odd setup, you know, for, from a, a scheduling standpoint. But let's run through it. The headliner of the day, and there's really a couple of them. Uh, the first one at noon on ABC, the NC State Wolfpack playing host to the number 10 Notre Dame Fighting Irish. NC State is a seven and a half point home dog. The total is 51. Scott, we have, excuse me, we have picks from Mike for all of these games. Do we want to start with him? Sure. Do you have his picks pulled up? I do not. Okay. That would have been a smart planning thing to do. All right, I've got I've got his picks pulled up. So Mike is on ND to cover the spread and the under. So Notre Dame minus seven and a half and under 51. Yeah, he had talked about wanting Notre Dame basically, you know, he said minus anything after seeing, I think, the way, especially that NC State played last week against UConn. The thing that I'll mention and the thing that kind of gives me pause about a number of these teams that were kind of meh in week one and not even just in the ACC but there were a handful of teams like Texas playing against Rice did not look particularly good in that game um, and there were a few of those where it was like you, you should have this team way outmatched you should have looked better but there were a handful of those that then were followed up with a week two like marquee game so again you had NC State playing UConn was kind of meh but like were they really diving deep into the playbook trying to beat UConn or were they trying to be as vanilla as possible to then keep 
things off film and such with Notre Dame looming in the in the uh, in the following week, right? Right. So I, I am I am a little bit wary of using what I saw week one as like the definitive. This is how this team is now. Um, I, I am nervous to go that far. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Um, I mean, Notre Dame hasn't played anybody. They kicked the ever living crap out of Navy. Whoop de do, and Tennessee mm-hmm. State, who no one's ever heard of and no one ever will. So, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, I am looking at the SP Plus numbers. Uh, Bill Conley's numbers on ESPN. Uh, he has NC State at number fifty and Notre Dame at number eight. And hmm. just a, a cursory look at these these numbers and these ratings, uh, I believe he would say that Notre Dame should be favored by more than this. Okay. Uh, the other thing that gives me pause is something that uh, our friend Tony Syracuse told us in the full conference preview is that Sam Hartman has a little bit of a history with NC State, and it's not always a particularly fruitful history that he's had. So you wonder, is there a chance that he shows up and sees helmets and sees a stadium and and just you know, not not to make light of PTSD, but there's a little bit of a of a of a bad feeling, bad mojo there. I don't know. Um, I think for now, based on what I've seen so far, I think I'm just gonna I'm I'm with Mike. I think I'll lay him with Notre Dame and, and say they win this by more than you know seven and a half. But it wouldn't shock me if you know, especially the the level of competition that Notre Dame has played so far has been. You know, this is far, far more of a test than they have seen in the first two weeks against uh, Navy and Tennessee State. Correct. So I, I guess I'll lay them. Maybe anything inside of 10 points, I'd probably lay them. Um, uh, the total, man. I I'll think take the over. over. I'll yeah. take the over. Yeah. I agree. I think this, this could get a little pointsy. Um Total of 51, the spread of seven and a half. I think the implied score here is something like 29, 22, something like that. And that's 51. Yeah, I could see this being like 30. I'm, I'm getting really close to these this total. I'm like 31, 21 or something like that. Like that would technically be over, but not by a lot. Um, I'll, I'll say over. I think there's there's a little bit of scoring here. I think I do think that NC State, Robert and I, is going to dial some things up that we haven't seen yet. Um, I, I do think that Notre Dame is the more talented team and will be able to score some on NC State's defense. Not that the, not that the Wolfpack defense looked particularly great last week against UConn either. Um, so give me, yeah, give me Notre Dame. I think they cover, and I think this game goes over. It gets a little bit more pointsy than maybe we would have expected with what we think these two defenses are. Yep, uh, I agree on the over. Um... I'm also going to take Notre Dame to cover the seven and a half. I don't have any other reasons other than kind of the S&P plus numbers you just said, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I know I mentioned NC state number 50 Notre Dame is number eight. So Notre Dame, a top 10 team as far as SP plus is concerned. And uh, yeah, I think that that's a reasonable enough thing to lean on for a case like this. For what it's worth. I think Mike locked this up. So for those who want to hear it, you better lock it up. You better lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. There you go. I might be doing the uh, first run through and then go back and figure out what I want to lock up later. If that, is that allowed here, Scott? 
this is your show. I'm I'm just here. <laughs> Thought you were the referee here. Um, okay, all right, that works. All right, uh, all of us on Notre Dame minus the seven and a half. Uh, Scott and I on the over. Mike on the under. What could possibly go wrong with all of us being on Notre Dame laying points on the road? So... I was down six units last weekend, so. <laughs> It was not the best uh, betting weekend. I think we, I, I, I got to get to a point of like a uh, like a week one hiatus or a a, a week one embargo. Like right. We got to wait and see some of these teams, especially with the, the amount of change going on in the rosters and all that stuff. We, yeah, I got to I got to avoid the week one traps in the future. Yeah, fair enough. All right, the other headliner of the weekend, Scott, three thirty p.m. on ABC. The Miami Hurricanes at home hosting the number 23 Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, Miami here, a four-and-a-half-point underdog, total also 51 points. Um, small spread. This game was played last year as well in College Station. It was a 17-9 to final score, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was not a sight for sore eyes. It was, you know, a, a bludgeoning defensive slugfest that was, you know, We'll say it was fun to watch, but like in a kind of sick way, I'll say that. Um, yeah. I This is interesting because both of these teams making significant coaching changes, like assistant coaching changes in the offseason that I think they're hoping is going to pay off here this fall. Um, Miami week one was a little bit ho-hum, but once again, you had this looming week two matchup. You figured you could pretty easily win week one against Miami. Uh, Miami of Ohio, a and I, I think, kind of cruised against an FCS team, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I don't even remember who they played, um, and I don't have it in front of me. But um, two teams that you figure were looking forward to this game much more than last week's game. Uh, Scott, who does Mike have in this particular instance? Oh, God. Mike is on Miami with the points and the under. Miami plus four and a half and under 51. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Mike wants Miami on the field. Uh, I think he has Miami outright. He does. That's All right, that's a choice. And he's not (laughs) locking up because, quote-unquote, when have we ever actually trusted Miami with money? And that is valid analysis as far as I'm concerned. Um, Texas A&M 52-10 over New Mexico last week. So, for what that's worth. Um. I I kind of lean towards Texas A&M here. I think that they're maybe a little bit closer to a finished product than Miami is, and it's that's not saying a whole lot because I think both these teams are still very much in transition. Um, for what it's worth, SP Plus has Miami about five points worse on a neutral field. So technically the spread should probably be a little bit smaller than this. Um I think if I'm going with Texas A&M, some of it is thinking that the Bobby Petrino addition to Jimbo Fisher's staff is is more impactful than the changes that Miami has made. And there's also a small assumption inside of the assumption that Jimbo is going to let Bobby cook and not, you know, hold his hand through the whole thing, which would really make for a great TV show, truthfully, be, between those two personalities. But um, for the sake of this you know, discussion, I don't know that it really gets us very far. Um I'm going to lean with Texas A&M, and I, I don't feel good about it. I definitely don't want to lock this up. And, and like M- Mike said, I mean, I think there's plenty of variability in both of these teams that, like, who the hell knows. 
Um, I do like the under as well, I think. Um, I, I think that these defenses, again, will show up. And again, they played a game last year that ended up at 26 points. So I'm not going to pick over 51 here. So give me Texas A&M and the under. I think A&M wins and covers maybe by a touchdown, something like that. Similar result to last year. Um, I think it, I think it does get a little bit more points even last year, but I, I think it'll stop in the 40s as opposed to getting into the 50s or beyond. Yeah, I don't I don't really know how to feel about Miami over Miami last weekend. Um, clearly overmatched them just on town on the field. Jimbo. I have thoughts about Jimbo. <laughs> I, don't, I think he needs this game to save his job. Mm-hmm. So well, I think I mean, I'm I, I think I'm on A and M to win, and I'll take Miami with the points, but the over I'll go over. I mean, if Jimbo loses his job, we do have to remember that he he's still entitled to about seventy million dollars. Um, so it's it's a little hey, bit I, of a what are you going to do? Fire me? Fine, do it. Like I know a know. guy uh, up in Durham, North Carolina, that would take that job in a minute. Mm-hmm. His former assistant. Correct. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Miami scoring 16 points in the second, in the second, the first half last week was not the most inspiring to me um, against a, you know, I guess, I don't know, a decent Mac team, but like, once again, what is, what does week one mean for some of these teams that have big week two matchups? I, I don't know. So, but either way, yeah, give me, I guess I'll, I'll just say Texas A&M is able to cover here and I'll take the under. Okay. All right, let's move on to – got to find this one on the sheet. Uh, okay, and I, again, I'm not making this up. At 6.30 on the CW, the Pittsburgh Panthers are at home hosting the Cincinnati Bearcats. Pitt, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Total is 47 points. Uh, Scott, I think I really like Pittsburgh here. I like that it's on the CW, a network that we actually <laughs> all get. So prop plus on one to the – it it is in my area of the country. I don't know about wow. your area of the country. So I haven't checked um, my CW availability in a while. Anyway, well, if you've ever watched a live golf event, shout out live. Um, <laughs> you can you'll know that you have it since that's a CW as well. So shout out to the ACC for making that deal and not putting it on some dumb regional sports network that no one can get. So this year we will be able to watch the regional sports games on the CW and more people get it. So good job. Why do I have a feeling that uh, Florida State games are going to be on the same network that the Live Network is on uh, here in in a few years? Anyways, discussion for a different day. Scotty Knowles. Sounds like Pitt. uh, Mike is taking Pitt minus a seven and a half, taking under 47. Uh, I am. I'm with him with Pitt. I might go over here. Um, Not for any particularly good reason. I think Pitt might win this game by a lot. Um, I am not high on Cincinnati right now. Uh, both the coaching change, bringing in Scott Satterfield, as well as um, just there is a lot of, of turnover on that roster this year, and I'm I'm just not I'm not excited about year one for Cincinnati in the Big Twelve here. So I, I think Pitt might win this game by quite a bit. Cincinnati did blow the doors off of Eastern Kentucky last week, sixty-six to thirteen. But again, that's an FCS team. Eastern Kentucky historically has been a pretty decent FCS team, but I cannot tell you right now that they are or aren't. Um, So, you know, for what that's worth. But I think Pittsburgh should be able to win this game comfortably. 
um, you know, figuring as, as, as deep into the program as, as Pat Narduzzi is, uh, having, having his program set up, having his culture, I, I think they should be just fine here. So give me Pittsburgh laying the seven and a half. Um, and I'll take the over as well. I, I think if anything, maybe Cincinnati will be able to score a little bit. Um, I, I do think Pitt's going to be able to score on the Cincinnati defense. So, uh, yeah, give me the Panthers in the over. And I might come back and lock this up. We'll see. Okay. Um, I don't have any strong thoughts about this game. I'm going to take Pitt to cover as well, but I'm going to go under just because I don't think Cincinnati is going to score. Mm-hmm. I, it's a fair assessment is that this might be almost entirely up to Pittsburgh to get to that number. Right. Uh, Mike also mentioned he's locking up under 47 in this game. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. All right. Good for Mike. Mike's uh, Mike's week one must have gone better than mine did because he is uh, he's getting after a couple of these locks this week. So, well, well, for those listening, if you follow us on Instagram and Twitter and on YouTube, you will see our weekly pick sheet and results. And I just posted them right before we hit record on this episode. And he only did one game better than you. That's right. That's right. It's kind of a kind of a shame for Mike that uh, he didn't do any better than I did. Although I was ten and eight, you know, making money technically. Somewhere. <laughs> Somewhere. Not on the actual account. That's a story for a different day. Uh, yeah, Pitt minus seven and a half and over forty seven for me. I'll uh, I might come back to this one a little bit later. All right, let's move on, Scott, to noon on ESPN two. The your Virginia Tech Hokies are a three point home favorite hosting the Purdue Boilermakers. Total is forty nine points. Um, first of all, are you a little bit like are you nervous at all about the Hokies being a favorite against an F, like a, another Power Five team right now? Personally, I'm nervous just because they started real slow last week and the defense didn't look too great. I'm encouraged by what Coach Price said early this week in the pressers saying he's identified what he needs to be fixed and he's you know working to fix it as the main defensive scheme guy. I know he handed over the play calling duties to defense coordinator Chris Marv this year, but um, so I'm a little nervous. We don't typically, historically, since my time of being a student, which was now started 10 years ago, done well favored at home, done well favored at home after coming off a win. It's not been good, mm-hmm. but um, from what I saw about Purdue and what I saw about the Hokies last weekend, uh, full disclosure, I saw about seven minutes of game time from the Hokies because I was at the middle of a Morgan Wallen concert watching in between sets of the different artists. So, um, yeah, I think that they're both kind of the same team. They're kind of okay and kind of not polished, both squads. Purdue's dealing with a coaching change. So I honestly think this three points is just because they're at the home team. And I think it started at one point, minus one, and it got, you know, bet up or down the other, whatever it's called, to the three points. And I don't actually think that reflects what's going to be seen on the field. So I think this game is more of a pick 'em, uh, personally. And I wouldn't take those three points. Uh, even though it's a small margin, I'm not taking Virginia Tech into three points. For what it's worth, SP Plus has Purdue a half point better than Virginia Tech. It says Purdue is number 64. says Virginia Tech is number 65. So effectively even teams. And so I think you're accurate on saying that, Scott, is that a three-point spread is probably mostly just home field advantage. And 
you know, there is something about Lane Stadium that it seems like it's a little bit more of a home field advantage at night than it is at noon. Um, is that a fair statement? I've never been. I just watch on TV. Fair statement. Nooners in Blacksburg sometimes don't get all the students out of bed in time. Um, you know, it'll, they'll pack it full for at least understand, man. They'll lose people if the game's not going their way by the third quarter. Hmm. Interesting. Good to keep in mind. Um, I will also note that Purdue did lose last week to Fresno State, uh, 39-35. They did have a lead, I think, uh, late in that game. They gave up a, a touchdown with about a minute left to, to lose. Very competitive back-and-forth game. I don't know that it ever got outside of – I think the, the biggest lead was Purdue had an 11-point lead after a kickoff return for a touchdown to open the second half. Um, but other than that, it was a, it was a one score game throughout, but I also, I mean, I think pretty highly of, of Fresno state, all things considered. So I, I don't penalize them too much for losing that game. What I do note is that they scored again, 35 points in that game. Uh, they, they again, did get a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. So not all on offense, but between that and I look at the SP plus ratings and they have Purdue 53rd on offense versus Virginia tech being 84th on offense. And I think that in a close game like this, based on what I've seen from Virginia Tech and such, I I think I trust Purdue's offense a little bit more. That's fair. And and for that reason, I think I'm going to take Purdue in the points, and I think I'm going to take Purdue to win this game outright. Um, All right. Again, I I don't feel super strongly about it. I pr- I will not be betting this with my own money. Um, but give me Purdue outright in this game. Um, I nothing would shock me here. I think either of these teams could win by 10 points and I would not be surprised. Um, total of 49 uh, under, I guess. I don't know. Under, I would lean, I would lean under um, just yeah. because Grant Wells is still TBD in my mind. And you just said the offense is better as in P plus wise for Purdue. So let's lean under. Um, maybe the defense has figured it out. Um, did we say what Mike had on this game yet? Uh, we did not. Uh, he okay, has Mike Virginia is, uh, Tech minus the three. Correct. So he's on He's on the Hokies minus the three. I think he's a little bit delusional. Um, but he'll be on a plane back from Arizona, and I'll be in the stands. So we'll find out who uh, – I'll find out firsthand if that is correct. That's right. That's right. I had forgotten that Purdue's quarterback this year is Hudson Card, the transfer from Texas who – uh, I believe was, you know, decently solid at, you know, the, the two two years he was there. I mean, I don't know the last time that a quarterback at Texas really lived up to everyone's expectations there, but um, you know, he he's not a bad not a bad quarterback, not a bad player at all. So something to keep in mind there. I I do think Purdue has the quarterback advantage, Hudson Card over Grant Wells. Yep, I agree. All right. Purdue outright and I think under the 49 for me, I think you have Purdue plus the three and Correct. Did you say under as well, under as well. Yeah. And, and Mike has Virginia tech minus the three and, and under 49 as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, this preview and all of our previews brought to our friends at section 103.com, the internet's premier place for all things. Wonderful, great looking, comfortable, excellent Georgia tech apparel. They have things for men, women, children, something for the whole family, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, a couple three-quarter shirts. They've got stickers. Uh, they've got a lot of different things there. So go check out section103.com. Use promo code GOACC 
for 10% off your first order. Uh, I love mine. I'm wearing my performance wear still yet again. It's, it continues to be super hot here in Texas, but this keeps me looking good using official word marks, official colors, uh, and it's super comfortable. It's high quality, really, really good stuff. Cannot recommend it enough. Um, they've also been coming out with a couple of these uh, player jerseys for the, the football team. Again, you have starting quarterback Haynes King, backup quarterback Zach Pyron, uh, starting running back Dante Smith. Again, with their numbers, their names on the back, uh, numbers on the front. Good way to support NIL if you wanted to go do that. So go check them out, section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Really appreciate Steven and the gang for their partnership. Uh, it's been a great great couple of years so far. We look forward to, again, kind of remaining partners through this year. So thank you. Thank you to them. Cool. Cool is right. I'm staying cool in my section 103. Let's move on. Promo's over. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, at, 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 once again, not misreading this. At 11 a.m. on the ACC Network. So with an hour left in college game day on the ACC Network, the Wake Forest Steeman Deeks playing host to the Vanderbilt Commodores. Wake is a 10.5-point favorite here. Total is 57. Scott, are you? do you have any sort of uh, – pause here seeing that wake is favored by double digits in this game wake forest lock them up you better lock it up you better lock it up no you lock it up lock it up lock it up lock it up please explain i don't, I don't care that vanderbilt beat hawaii <laughs> and i trust uh dave clausen oh. there you go Small but important difference between those those buttons on the soundboard. Um, I'm I look at this number and I'm I'm spooked by it, and I think some of it is maybe I might have an overinflated opinion of Vanderbilt uh, because again, SP Plus is telling me that on a neutral field, Wake Forest is about twelve points better, and once again, this is in Winston Salem, so it's telling me that this should be closer to a fourteen or fifteen point spread. Um. I don't know. I, I I'm nervous laying all these points. I don't know, but Van, Vandy. Yeah. I mean, I was really kind of disappointed in what they looked like against Hawaii in that, in that game. Uh, they, they won, but it was a lot closer than I thought it should be. And then you've got last week's game against Alabama A&M again. What, what are you going to learn from that? So this is kind of early season weirdness. Um, for what it's worth, Mike has Wake winning, but has Vandy in the points. I think that might be the way to go here. Is I'll take the points with Wake, uh, but say that they they win the game. Sorry, I'll take the points with Vandy, but Wake wins the game outright. Maybe they win by a touchdown or so. Uh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, total of fifty-seven. Uh, we'll go. Yeah, I'll follow Mike here. He says under. I'll take under as well. Uh, I'm under as well. Yeah, it's. I don't know. A couple of these games got, got kind of high scoring, but um, Vandy's offense, especially against Hawaii, took a while to get going. It never really seemed like it was in a great rhythm. Um, was not impressed for, by AJ Swan for a lot of that game. So we'll see which of these teams has the better quarterback uh, on, on you know by the end of this game. I think recruiting rankings would tell you probably AJ Swan should be better, but you know performance so far has not has not been uh, you know. That has not been the case. I agree. Um, 
Let's go under. I locked up Wake Forest. I'm fine to be against you guys. Uh, I think that's all I have to say about Wake Forest. You're just riding with SP Plus here. That's a fair assessment. Fair, fair, uh, fair strategy. I'm a numbers guy. You're a numbers guy. That's right. All right, uh, Vandy in the points and the under for me. Vandy in the points for Mike and the under as well. But we we all have Wake winning this game outright. So we'll see how that turns out. Let's keep moving, Scott. We have a handful of games against G5 opponents. And by a handful, I mean like four of them, I guess. Uh, the first one, the number four Florida State Seminoles hosting the Southern Miss Eagles, Golden Eagles? I think Something Golden like Eagles. that. Yeah. I don't know why this is uh, this is escaping me like this. Uh, this game is at 8.30 p.m. on the mm-hmm. ACC Network. Florida State, we, we, we don't have a spread for this game right now. And I don't know why. It's it's kind of weird to me. I, I don't know if something's going on with Southern Miss here uh, or or what it is, but we don't have a spread on this game for whatever reason. Um, so I, I don't have something I can tell you spread-wise, but what I can tell you is that I, I think Florida State should be able to overwhelm Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss looked good beating Alcorn State last week, 40-14, to 14, but – uh, I think Florida State arguably looked better beating LSU in a, a top 10 matchup. So uh, I, I think this should be a pretty easy cruise to victory for the Knowles at home. 100% agree. I think the Knowles, I think the Knowles ride. I was looking, so if those watching on YouTube, uh, please follow on YouTube. But I'm looking down at my phone. I'm trying to scroll through DraftKings Sportsbook to get a line for you guys. I do have one. Oh. The original source we didn't have. So uh, the current line is Florida State. Minus 30 and a half. How did I know? I, I was like, I wonder if this will be, you know, upper 20s. How did I know it would be just slightly more uncomfortable trying to lay those points? 30 and a half? 30 and a half. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll lay them. I mean, I they almost beat LSU by 30 and a half. So. True. These are facts. Um, did you, do you have a total there? I do. 53. 53 over. I think Florida State might get almost all the way there themselves. 100% um, agree. So I, I think this should be – I you never know. Again, letdown factor for sure. Um, I, I would expect that the home crowd is doing pretty well here, You know, pretty fired up about what they saw last week and, and everything like that. So hopefully it's not a big letdown. But um, I, I think Florida State cruises here. Yeah, Knowles minus anything, and I'll take the over if the total's in the 50s. Agree with you there. I think Mike was also on Knowles minus anything. Did you say that already? If you did, I do apologize to the listeners. But Mike was on. I'm seeing no line in Florida State, but them minus anything. So yeah. we're on the Knowles. I, I did not say specifically Knowles minus anything for Mike. Uh, I said it for myself, and it sounds like we are in agreement on how to approach that. Awesome. Easy enough. We will keep it moving here. Uh, at 5.15 on the ACC Network, the number 17 North Carolina Tar Heels hosting the App State Mountaineers. North Carolina an 18-point favorite in this game with a total of 58. Um, it's always a little bit weird when you have two teams that played last year to a two-point uh, game that I, I think that went to overtime, if I'm remembering right. It did. And then they come back this year and the spread is 18, but... I would say that these teams have diverged quite a bit from when they played last year. Uh, App State, I believe, didn't even make a bowl game after beating A&M and uh, nearly knocking off this North Carolina team. They they have not looked impressive in the time since. 
North Carolina, you know, looked pretty good for most of last year, struggled a little bit at the end, but then comes back this year and opens up with a pretty, pretty excellent looking win against South Carolina last week. So uh, with that being said, I, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I hate these big numbers, man. I hate them. I, I don't like laying as many points. I would not, I wouldn't bet this with my own money. I don't think uh, I'll lay the 18 with North Carolina and I will, I once again say over. I'm okay. I'm a, I'm I'm curious to watch in this game and see how good North Carolina's defense looks, and see if they are a- absolutely as stifling as they looked last week against South Carolina, or if there was a little bit of call it fool's gold with South Carolina's offensive line looking totally bamboozled for most of that game. Is their offensive line going to look any better than Appalachian State's? I'm with you. I think. North Carolina cruises here. Uh, they're at home. Last year they were in Boone, so that's mm-hmm. different. Um, well, a different atmosphere. Boone gets crazy point. for those games. Uh, Mike is also on the Tar Heels minus eighteen and the, the over as well. Yep. Yeah, I think this could be a, a pretty high scoring game. North Carolina. It it it, sh- it should be not not entirely a name your score game but it should be approaching that florida state should be a name your score game for sure so agree we'll see if if those two are able to cruise and avoid the uh, the massive week two letdown not that that could ever happen to acc teams as we know never not ever never. not ever um all right we will keep moving to 3:30 p.m. on the acc network on uh, the acc sorry the ACC Network Extra on ESPN Plus. The Syracuse Orange playing host to the Western Michigan Broncos. Syracuse is a 23 and a half point favorite. Total is 56. I, I mean, goodness gracious. I, I I looked at this and I was like, how on earth is Syracuse favored by this many points? And then I went and looked and SP Plus says Syracuse minus the 23. I think at least on a neutral site. Uh, has Western Michigan ranked 105th in the country? I think both their offense and defense outside of the top 100. So Western Michigan clearly not in a great place right now as a program. Syracuse, I, I think, should be able to cruise in this game pretty easily. I'll, uh, uh, I'll take, I'll just take the points. I've been laying so many points. Someone's going to cover here. I'll just take the points with Western Michigan, not for any particular reason other than Syracuse is drawing the short stick here, I guess, but I'll just, I'll just take the points of Western Michigan. I, I don't know. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was, wasn't this game played last year? I think it was right. Was it? Maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought it was, if it was not, I apologize to the listeners again. Um, for the lion. I, knew I, <laughs> I know that, uh, Syracuse kicked the ever living, ever living crap out of Colgate last week, but it's Colgate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I see the line is 23 and a half. Again, we don't really know what Syracuse has to offer. Um, they did not I'll, play Western Michigan last year for what it's worth, nor the year I've, before. Okay, then I'm misremembering something, and that's fine. Um, I'm going to take Syracuse outright, Western Michigan with the 23 and a half, just because... It's a lot of points, and I just don't trust Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Still need to figure out what is this offense going to look like this year in a way that both plays to Garrett Schrader's strengths and also keeps him healthy. Yep. So 
curious to see again what that looks like. And, uh, and last week, I think you can skew things a little bit. You're playing Colgate. You got out to a big lead. You just start running the ball. You know, you don't need to uh, really press things with with Garrett Schrader. But, right. um, you know, this week might be a little, you know, a little bit more of an effort required. So we'll see what that looks like. But sure, I'll take I'll take Western Michigan in the 23 and a half and um, 56. Eh, I don't know. Under. I don't know. Uh, I hate okay. I hate the spread here. Like, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a crappy line. Mike's on Syracuse, uh, laying him with Syracuse and over 56. Yeah, so we uh, will disagree on that one. Uh, last of these that we have a spread for, Scott, at noon on ESPNU, the Virginia Cavaliers at home hosting the James Madison Dukes. And Virginia is a six-point underdog in this game with a total of forty-one. Um, I, I saw I saw a number somewhere that this is the first time, I think, in the last at least fifteen, if not twenty years, that you have a Power Five team at home playing against a, a transitioning. Uh, like FBS team, like they're transitioning up from FB, FCS to FBS. And this team is a home underdog to that other team. So just to understand like what we're talking about here, this doesn't happen where a power five team is an underdog to a transitioning FCS team, the way that we have right here. Yes. Um, it's going to be a emotional day in Charlottesville. They're honoring uh the victims from last mm-hmm. year's shooting on the field. They're expecting a large crowd. How many of those fans of that crowd are going to be Virginia fans? JMU is very not far from the University of Virginia, uh, maybe maybe two and a half hours drive. So they're going to get a good, uh, good following to come down from campus. They're going to have a lot of alumni around the area in the Northern Virginia area to come down. I'm afraid... The stadium is going to be very similar to when Virginia Tech plays there when it's almost half and half the fans, sometimes more the opposing fans. Um, and the product in the field just, they tried hard last week, but mm-hmm. they they don't look good. No. And and the Musketeers, is he playing? Like, I saw a know. thing today. It's, it's always weird when on a Tuesday you see a thing. It's like, yeah, he's a game time decision. Like five days from now, he's a game time decision. What? That doesn't sound good. Not not great. Not great. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Virginia with the points. I'll I'll take them to cover the six. I think JMU wins the game. SP Plus has JMU almost fifteen points better on a neutral field. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. And so you consider, you know, they have 15 points better and Virginia has a starting quarterback question here, you know, health-wise. And this number is only at six. If that tells you what kind of emotional boost we might be talking about here, as you mentioned, the ceremony celebrating or, or, you know, memorializing the players uh, here as part of this game. Um, Man, it's like, you know, just, just... this number, this matchup in a vacuum, like, yes, I, I want to lay them with James Madison. Absolutely. I think they can win this game by a touchdown or more. But there is so much at play that, like, I don't want to bet against Virginia in this spot. Um, exactly my thought. That's what that, that's what concerns me. Um, 
both of these teams, you know, with pretty solid defenses, um, JMU ranks 60th, Virginia 58th. The difference is Virginia's offense right now is 127th by SP plus JMU's is also 60th. So that's where this, this matchup there's, there's kind of a, a mismatch here or a, uh, you know, it's, it's a bad matchup. I think for Virginia is, can they hold James Madison off the scoreboard? Can they get a defensive score, you know, do something to really kind of swing this in their favor? Um, man, I don't want to pick against Virginia here. I guess I, I, I won't do it. I won't do it. I'll take Virginia in the points. Um, and I, and, and I'll do that part. Some of the way that I like to think about this sometimes is like, this is college football and there is some romanticism here. And, you know, you can imagine there's, there's times where there's like a story that happens where you're like, I, I probably should have seen this coming, like what, what the story would be. And, and this is one of those where it's like, you know, you imagine on the, this day with, you know, again, the, the ceremony taking place and such, this, this has such a win one for the Gipper feel for it. Um, I'll take the points with Virginia. I won't rule out that they win the game outright, but to me, it's mostly the story in my head of Virginia just riding a ridiculous emotional high for four quarters, which is like one of the least analytical takes I will ever give on this show. But I, I think maybe that's the way that, that I would look at this, but I, I would, man, as much as I, I wanted to bet James Madison, this spot, I just, the more that I think about it, I, I, it's a dangerous spot to be betting the away team. Agree. Don't have anything against you. That's kind of the same thing. I took Virginia with the points, but I do think Madison wins outright. Mike is on James Madison to cover the six and is on the under. He's also locking up JMU to cover. You better, mm-hmm. lock, it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that's all I've got there. We've got four more FCS matchups here, Scott, that we can kind of cruise through real quick. Uh, the first one, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. My Yellow Jackets hosting South Carolina State. I believe they're the Bulldogs. Um, this is at 1 o'clock on ESPN Plus and the ACC Network Extra. Um, South Carolina State has a history of being kind of plucky, and they they can – I believe they were the team that knocked off Jackson state in the celebration bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, they, I think they take a lot of pride in being physical in the trenches. So it's definitely not a game that I think Georgia tech can take for granted and, and just, you know, roll their helmets out there and win. But I I'd like to think that after last week and the way that you lost that game, I'd like to think that you're kind of dialed in here and, and really trying to make sure that you, you've tightened down some screws and you've got everything in order. So I, I think Georgia Tech should win this game relatively easily, but we'll have to find out, Scott. I have no thoughts. Jackets win. I just need like one of these gimme games for Georgia Tech to actually just be a layup and be done with it by early in the third quarter. Like what preferably halftime. Yeah. Is that so hard? Like, can we just have that for once and not screw around and lose to the Citadel and you know? crap like that sorry for anyone that i just triggered with that but in any case um yeah please just make this easy georgia tech okay let's move on do it uh the number 21 duke blue devils are hosting the lafayette 
uh, Lafayette, the, the Lafayette something. What do we got? What do we got? <laughs> Lafayette, the leopards, the Lafayette the, leopards, the Lafayette leopards, the leopards. That's a new one. Uh, this is at five or sorry, six o'clock on ESPN plus and the ACC network extra. Um, again, no spreads for all these FCS games. Duke ranked number 21 again, coming off the win against Clemson on Monday night. Um, I, don't think that there's enough of a letdown potential here. And I don't think Lafayette is the kind of team that's going to be able to show up and beat Duke in this matchup. Um, Lafayette last year went four and seven in the FCS. Not a particularly threatening team, I would say here. They lost by 16 points to a bad Temple team last year. Um, so I, I'm not not putting a lot of faith into them against Duke here. They also just barely beat Sacred Heart last week, 19 to 14. So I think Duke should be safe here. I think the Blue Devils uh, vanquish the Leopards. Uh, sure, as is tradition. Why not? That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, what else we got? Let's see. We've got 215 on the ACC network. The number 25 <laughs> Clemson Tigers hosting the Charleston Southern Southerners. I'm going to go with. What do we got? The Buccaneers, the Charleston Southern Buccaneers. Uh, I, again, no spread here. Charleston Southern beat North Greenville last week. Something called North Greenville, thirteen to ten. So, if there's ever a little uh, little net crack game here for Clemson to exercise some demons, I'd imagine it's this uh, again. I'm, two two fifteen yeah. on the ACC network. I'm sorry, Charleston Southern. I'm sorry. You you picked a bad week to show up in Death Valley. Yep. You sure did. All right, Scott, last one. Have I, by the way, have I called you Mike yet on this podcast? I feel like I almost have to have. I don't recall. So good job. Okay. All right. Well, I figured it was reflexive. It was going to happen at some point, but it hasn't yet. Uh, at noon on the ESPN Plus ACC Network Extra situation, the Boston College Eagles hosting the Holy Cross Crusaders. Sorry, the Crusaders, actually. Um, Scott, you know I mentioned plucky FCS teams that maybe we need to be a little bit mindful of here? Yeah, this is actually a plucky FCS team. And you know how I mentioned last week, like, Boston College, please don't lose this game, and it's like a possible you know thing that could happen? Yep. Uh, Holy Cross last year, just for some context, Holy Cross went to Buffalo, uh, the MAC team, and beat them 37-31. That was a Buffalo team that ended up making a bowl game. Holy Cross then proceeded to go undefeated that entire season until the FCS quarterfinals when they lost to the South Dakota State team that won the national title. Holy Cross currently ranked number five in the FCS. This is a the, the definition of a plucky, plucky FCS team that you had better not mess around with. Um, this is a – you need to keep an eye on this matchup as it's going on because – this is absolutely like an FCS upset kind of game. And I am thoroughly curious to find out what the spread is here, especially with the way that Boston College looked like last week. I mean, is this still an Emmett Moorhead offense? Is it Thomas Castellanos? What's the plan here? Um, this, is a, this is a definitively dangerous spot for Boston College. And if you lose here, I think He's the whole gone. Jeff Halfley thing, yeah, we're, we're, it's, a, it's a matter of time. I, I think it has to be. I think he's gone after this game if he loses. You think he doesn't make it to, to next week? Nope. 
always a little tough to tell with, you know, what is, what is the urgency at Boston college, but yeah, I mean, if you, <laughs> you lose this game with red bandana next week against Florida state, like yikes, you're, you're staring and three right down the double barrel. Um, yeah. so my thoughts on this game real quick, um, our friend Dan Rubin came on the Boston College preview, talked about how big of a game this is for the region, uh, mm-hmm. something I didn't know about, so I was educated by Dan Rubin. So if those who haven't don't know about it, please go check out our preseason preview about the Boston College Eagles with Dan Rubin about the history of this rivalry. Um, Boston College losing last week does not help them in this at all. Um, Emmett Leshead, courtesy of our friend Chris Grondon, <laughs> uh, was not good. We'll see if he plays. I want to yeah. say, I want to pick Holy Cross. I do, but it's hard. I'm curious to see what the spread is here. I just looked. I didn't see any immediately, so it might not come out till game day. Um, yeah. Friday at the earliest. Um, I could see this spread being like inside of two touchdowns or something like that. And. It, it, I worry about like, are we just doing the trendy thing, picking Holy Cross, but like, you know, to, to at least to cover that, if not outright. But right. if I see a number big enough, I might jump on it and take a swing and, and just take my chances there. Cause I, this Boston College team does not look like a team that I uh, really should be having a lot of faith in right now with the way that they have looked. That they looked last week. Again, the early quarterback change, not a good sign. Um, the way that a lot of last year went, you know, I, I really thought that they would have a good chance to improve quite a bit this year. And we did not see that last week at all. Nope. So, nope. Um, yeah, keep an eye on this one because this this could very easily go sideways. And as we've kind of alluded to this, this could very quickly turn into your first co- uh, first open job in the ACC this fall. This is going to be one of those games I'm going to be scoreboard watching since I'll be in the stands at Lane Stadium on Saturday at the same time at noon. So if I see that scoreboard still still close game late in the fourth quarter, you know how it flashes up every like 20 minutes and you see like Holy Cross Boston College and it's 24 to 20 and you're like, why is this game so close? Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull out my phone probably near the end of the game because I'm not going to be interested in the Hokies anymore unless it's close and then going to be seeing what's going on with this because I'm intrigued. Um, yep. we'll see. We'll see Boston college. We will. We will. Scott, that's all I got on these games. Uh, should we, go, I, I guess I probably got to go back and, and lock something up, huh? Maybe one or two, maybe one or two. Um, I told you I'd probably come back and lock up pit minus the seven and a half. Let's, let's go ahead and, and do that. I think pit wins that game by more. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. You lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. We'll do that. And then we said Florida State was 30 and a half against yep. Ole Miss or sorry, Southern Miss. And what was the the total there? It was in the 50s, wasn't it? 53. 53. Uh, let's let's lay them with Florida State and lock that up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. You lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Just casually lock up, you know, a 31 point spread. Why not? Um, you know, what could go li- wrong? Live a little, Scott. We got to live a little here. Um, so those are my two main locks. And remind me what Mike had locked up here. He had JMU. He had Minus six. I'm scrolling. Sorry, friends. Give me one second. Uh, Notre Dame. 
and he's locking up the under in Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Under 47. Fair enough. Fair enough. Scott, anything else on week two here before we get out of here and go watch some games? Nothing much for week two. Thanks to all the listeners for obliging my substitution for Mike. I know it's not uh, as of quality as Michael, uh, but, you know, we do our best. Um, Your picks are better, I think, but, you know, for what that's worth. Well, maybe. I mean, I am smarter. That's all I got going for me. Um, He's not going to listen to this, so that's hilarious. Uh, Anyway, um, I think we did good. Got got through the recap. We're going to be back on Saturday evening. I might be able to do it live from Blacksburg, so we'll see. Um, But Mike should be back for the Saturday live show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tune in um, as as Saturday night games are going on. Again, I think the 8.30 ACC Network game with Florida State and Southern Miss – um, we will almost certainly not wait for that game to be over before we go live. So uh, we'll, we'll tweet out some information on the day. Oh, it'll of. be over. It'll be over. Oh, it'll be it'll be over. There'll be time left on the clock, but it'll be over. Yeah. I'd imagine. Again, if my lock is anywhere near accurate, um, we'll we'll tweet out information day of. But again, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the bell icon, and it'll tell you when we're going to go live, and you can come join in. Uh, join in on the comments, join in the discussion. We, we had a lot of fun again with that last week, and we look forward to doing that throughout the season uh, as we continue on here. Uh, Scott, let's work on getting out of here. We are going to go watch some games, come back and do Saturday Night Fever to recap them. In the meantime, you can come follow us on Twitter at FTRS Joey, at Severus Snipes, at Mike McDaniel SI, at BC Podcast ACC on the Twitters. Uh, we are on iTunes, on Spotify, on Amazon, on all these different places you can go find your podcasts. Anywhere you normally would, we are there. Go find us, hit the subscribe button. Uh, we appreciate that to those who have. Uh, we are, once again, we are on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, come find us there and join in on Saturday Night Fever and the other comments on our videos. Comment on this video. Tell us what you think. Um, where did we make good picks? Where did we make bad picks? Uh, we would love your feedback and, and join in the discussion. Uh, yep. Scott, where else on the social medias? Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball co- conference. Find most of the podcasts there and the live streams now. And the mm-hmm. live streams are also there. On Facebook. Um, yeah. Instagram. Instagram is uh, same thing. BC Podcast ACC. Um, and YouTube, like Joey said, uh, at the ACC Football Podcast. Please subscribe. We see the numbers of people that watch who are subscribed and who don't subscribe. Uh, we're getting more, let's say more than 90% that aren't subscribed. So please just hit the button. If you're watching the video, you're out there and it'll help us. We're trying to get to 250 by the end of the season. Yep. Really, really appreciate, appreciate your help. If you do that. So please do so Scott, that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here and go watch some games? I got nothing else. Where can they email us? Uh, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. We we're off to just a banger start with, you know, We've got a, a, a listener email in there from Keith Derrick. I, I swear we're going to get to it. Um, it it's been in there for like a week and a half now, and uh, I apologize. It might just be an email response at this point, Keith. Um, really appreciate the, the submission, though. So um, we, I, I, I see you. We will work that in as soon as we can. Cool. Let's let's get him in there. Love it. Let's do it. Scott, enjoy week two. We will potentially see you on Saturday night from Blacksburg. Uh, likewise, yes, potentially. Uh, not sure of how the internet situation is at the place I'm staying. So we will see. Time will tell. All right. Well, enjoy the games. Have a safe trip to Blacksburg. Uh, go Hokies. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. How's that? 
Uh, sounds good. Yep. Hope hope the Hokies win. And if they don't, I won't be surprised. <laughs> That's the spirit. On that note, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy the games. For Mr. Producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC.